And as you know, we've been going through the book of Luke, but today, being Mother's Day, I could not let that pass without acknowledging it in a special way. And so today, we will be um, looking at the characteristics of godly mothers. Now, this is definitely not an exhaustive list, but I hope that it will be a blessing uh, <clears throat> to the mothers and to those of us who have mothers to realize the characteristics that God has given us as examples in scriptures of mothers who are godly. And for those of us who may aspire to be mothers, examples that we may learn from. Now, first of all, I just want to say my mother is a, indeed a blessing to me. And it's always kind of, I always kind of chuckle a little bit when people say, well, what does your mother do? My mother is a stay-at-home mom of... And she raised 11 children. Um, she has two children left that have yet to reach adulthood. And five of us are still in her home. Not as much now, but especially when I was younger and even, even oftentimes now, she will rise while it is yet night and provide for her household. And she won't go to bed until it is night again. She's one of the hardest working, one of the most godly women I know. I know the Lord today because of my mother. I was at my mother's knee when I trusted Jesus Christ to be my personal Lord and Savior. I know that not everyone is as fortunate as I am. But I want to take this opportunity to bless my mother. I am the man of God I am today because of her. And I'm so thankful. With that introduction, I will open in prayer and then we will begin. We will be all over the scriptures today. I don't have a main text. So I hope that your page turning finger is limber. And I hope that you're ready to learn and be blessed by God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today for the mothers. We thank you for their gifts and their sacrifices. We thank you for the influence that they have on society. Lord, we, we sorrow at the way Today's Western culture looks at motherhood as if it's somehow less than when in reality it's one of the highest callings that you have ever set forth in the, in the Holy Scriptures. Lord, we would pray that as we study these women of God from your Holy Word, that we would be encouraged to bless our mothers and that we would go forth better for having been here today. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Alright, well, as I said, 
Today, we will be talking about the characteristics of godly mothers. And for each of these characteristics, I have a biblical example, or for most of them, I have a direct biblical example, which I believe exemplifies this quality. And if you're keeping notes, the first one we're going to look at is Godly mothers fear the Lord. Godly mothers fear the Lord. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Exodus 2, 1 to 3. Uh, the mother in question here is Jochebed. The mother of Moses. And of course, in uh, the grand scheme of things, when she was going through this decision to save Moses alive, I don't necessarily think that she was thinking the far-reaching implications of what her choice to fear God and to save him would be. But here's what it says. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. Now, can you imagine what this must have been like? The Pharaoh realized that the people of Israel were multiplying faster than he could keep track. And he did not want to be overrun by the Israelites, so he said, Let me take the lives of every male child. If they're female, you can keep them. If they're male, throw them in the river so that they die. Because first he told the midwife to kill them. But what did the midwives, what does it say of the midwives? It says that the midwives feared God. And then it says, whether this is the complete truth or whether it might be a slight fabrication, the Israelite midwife said, they, these women are so fast that by the time we get there, the children are born. And so for whatever reason, that is the case. And then that's when the Pharaoh says, let's go the next step. If they're born, if they're a healthy male, throw them in the river. And Jochebed decides to hide Moses. And because of that one decision, millions of Israelites were liberated from Egypt. Because of that one decision, five books that we read in our holy scriptures were written. 
Sometimes when mothers are doing the day-to-day, cleaning up messes, wiping noses, kissing, scraping knees, perhaps they don't realize the far-reaching implications of what they are doing. But the thing about motherhood is sometimes the fruit is years in the making. I really appreciated that song, Let Us Not Grow Weary in the Work of Love. And that's what I wanted to encourage you mothers. Don't grow weary in the work of love. Because there will be a payoff. There will be a time when your children will be able to rise up and to call you blessed. If we could just look very quickly at Exodus 1, 16 and 17 and Hebrews 11, 23 and 24. If somebody has those, we could read them consecutively. And in very short order, that would be great. Exodus 1.16, and he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not, as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And then Hebrews 11.23 and 24. Now, I think sometimes we, we kind of skip over this because we think about the fact that Moses left Egypt because he killed an Egyptian and he didn't want to be caught. But this Hebrews passage shows us that there's more to it than that. Moses made a conscious decision that he would be counted among the Hebrews. He was told that he was a Hebrew from his birth. I think that when his mother was nursing him and preparing him to go into Pharaoh's house, she was telling him where he came from and who he was and who God, the God of Israel was. And perhaps it was because of the fact that his mother feared God that Moses was later able to say, I fear God more than I fear Pharaoh. If you have a mother that feared God, rejoice. And if you are one who did not have a mother who fears God, if she is still alive, God can still change her heart. We heard a testimony in the breaking of bread today about a woman 
who came to know the Lord at 93 years of age. Don't give up on your family. Because God is always at work. Just to give us a little bit more um, thoughts on the idea of fearing God. In the Chronicles of Narnia, an allegory by C.S. Lewis, the author has two girls, Susan and Lucy, getting ready to meet Aslan, the lion who represents Christ. Two talking animals, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, prepare the children for the encounter. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting him. That you will, dearie, said Mrs. Beaver, and make no mistake, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most, or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Scriptures say that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. But it also says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says that He who cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He that believeth on me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Yes, God is a God to be feared. If you are not one of His, you will be punished and judged at the end of time. But you can choose today to accept Him as your great high priest and advocate rather than as a judge. So no, He is not safe. He is fierce and He deals with wrath accordingly, but He is good. My prayer is that we would all see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Our second godly mother that we want to talk about today goes with this point. Godly mothers... Our obedience. And for that example, I bring you the mother of our Lord, Mary. In Luke 1 34 to 38, it says, Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth also hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, 
the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from him. Do you ever think about the reasons Mary might have for saying no? She was going to marry Joseph. They were going to start their family. And then she gets a visit from the angel. And it changes her life. And it's interesting that the angel doesn't say, Be not afraid, Mary. Joseph will marry you. He doesn't say, Be not afraid, Mary. Joseph already knows. In fact, we know that Joseph didn't know. For his response was, I'm going to put away Mary privately because I don't know why she was unfaithful to me, but I still love her enough that I don't want to publicly humiliate her. I'm going to put her away privately. And it came to pass that while he thought on these things, that an angel came to him and said, Joseph, fear not to take unto you Mary, your wife. See, so many times... We want to know the answers of why, and then we will do. God often says to us, do, and then I will tell you why. And I'm thankful for the example of Mary, who is obedient to the voice of God. I thank you, I'm thankful for the times when my mother has been obedient to the voice of God. I, I will never be more thankful for any one thing than that she was obedient in leading me to the cross of Calvary for salvation. And a close second to that is when she and my father made the decision, though it would be a hardship for her, to pull me out of the public school system and to homeschool me. Because those teachers in that public school, and I know this isn't all-inclusive, but it was so true in my case, they grossly underestimated my potential. They were constantly telling my parents what I could not learn. They, they told my parents, if you can believe it, that I needed speech therapy. Though anybody that knows me knows that that's probably the farthest thing from the truth. And because of that decision, today, I'm a college graduate who's working hard and the things that I love, the things that God has called me to, because my parents took the time, and specifically my mother, because she was there on a day-to-day -day basis, took the time to teach me. I was a slow reader. I didn't read till I was eight. But once I started reading, now reading is one of my favorite hobbies. I love to read, especially good, solid Christian books that build up my faith. And if my parents had just given up on me and said, you're right, he can't learn. Guess what? I wouldn't have learned. And there would have been a self-fulfilled prophecy. 
But praise be, that did not happen. Can we look at another example of Mary's obedience in John chapter 2, verses 4 and 5? I, I often think that this might be a very sad day in Mary's life because it's at this point that Mary begins to realize that her son is not the same. Doesn't hold the same position in her life as maybe he did when he was a little boy and was learning to walk and learning to count. Let's listen to these verses. Who would like to read them? John 2, 4 and 5. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. I don't know what was going through her mind. Obviously, he wasn't being cruel with her. But if I called my mother woman, I don't think the end result would be a good thing. But the point of this is that Jesus was beginning His ministry. He was showing that He was no longer her son in the same familial sense. And that it was time for her to let go. We don't read about it, but I would suppose, because I've seen my mom say goodbye to my siblings when they move across the country, when they do different things, that take them away from the home, I would suppose that perhaps Mary that night covered her pillow with tears. Because this young man that she'd watched growing up from a baby was moving on to his public ministry. And she probably didn't see him all that often during the ensuing three years. Though we know they saw each other a few times. But she was obedient. She was obedient to her son because not only was he her son, he was her savior. He was her God. And we know that he didn't forget his responsibility to her because when he hung on the cross, my favorite exchange from the cross perhaps, or one of them is, woman, Behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And why did he say this to John rather than one of his brothers, Jude or James? Because at that point, his brothers did not believe in him. And he wanted his mother to go with the one whom he loved. Dr. B.J. Miller once said, It is a great deal easier to do that which God has given us to do, no matter how hard it is, than to face the responsibilities of not doing it. We all know what happened to Jonah when he decided to go 
the wrong way. And his, con- and his actions affected everyone on that ship. We don't know what would have happened to Mary had she refused. But thank the Lord we don't have to find out. Because when he came to her, she said, Be it unto me according to your word. I am your maid servant. Godly mothers, for the third point, are women of prayer. I know that my mother prays for me. I know that often when I'm struggling, she prays with me. First Samuel 1, verses 11, verse 27 and 28. And she, Hannah, vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and forget not thine handmaid, but will grant unto thine handmaid a man-child, I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his hand. And then we see the answer. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. I think that he is Eli, the priest. But the point is, Hannah prayed for a son. And she said, If you give me a son, I will give him to the Lord. And then God gave her a son. You know, my mom, as I was growing up, there were a lot of struggles with my disability. And it wasn't until I was about 14 that I truly came to a peace with it. And there have been a couple times in the ensuing years where I've kind of regressed and had to readdress these issues. But one thing that she continued to say to me is that it says in the law, the firstborn are mine. And she said that she always had a feeling that God was going to do something special with me. She said that before I was born, God came to her in a still small voice and said, what would you do if your son was born handicapped? If your child was born handicapped? And she said she vividly remembers telling him that she would just love him. And I don't know why God gave her that insight But I am so grateful that he did. And I'm grateful for her response. And I'm grateful even more that she lived out that response. Because my mother loves me. And I've lived with that knowledge for 35 years, almost. 
There's nothing, absolutely nothing, like a mother's love. Can we look by way of cross-reference very quickly at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7? Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Jesus says it pretty simply. Ask, seek, knock. Now, of course, we could go into great detail about the different exceptions, the different requirements from a personal standpoint of having our prayers answered. And of course, the ultimate requirement that it be according to God's will. I've been, I don't like to use the word wrestling, but I don't know what better word to put in here. There is a, a friend of mine that I have that seems to be convinced that I should be able to walk in this lifetime. And to this point, she's been very nice about it. But it kind of gets into this discussion about, well, I can command God to do things for me. My friends... I can't command God to do anything for me. That would be like me saying, I can sit at my dinner table and I can demand that my mom give me ice cream because I don't want to eat my dinner. But if she loved me, she would give me ice cream. But the thing is, my mom wants me to live a healthy life. She wants me to take care of my body. And it's especially important with my disability that I take care of my body. I have no major health issues, and I'm thankful for that. But I also know that I don't want to develop any major health issues. And so, when my mom gives me a green smoothie in the morning, even though I don't really appreciate green smoothies, I know they're good for me, so I try to do my best to um, to consume them and benefit from them. Just a little illustration on prayer. While crossing the Atlantic on an ocean liner, F.B. Mayer was asked to address the first class passenger At the captain's request, he spoke on answered prayer. An agnostic who was present at the service was asked by his friends, what did you think of Dr. Mayer's sermon? He answered, I didn't believe a word of it. That afternoon, Mayer went to speak to to the steerage passengers. Many of the listeners at his morning address went along, including the agnostic, who claimed he just wanted to hear what the babbler had to say. Before starting for the service, the agnostic put two oranges in his pocket 
On his way, he passed an elderly woman sitting in her deck chair, fast asleep. Her hands were open. In the spirit of fun, the agnostic put two oranges in her outstretched put the two oranges in her outstretched palms. After the meeting, he saw the old lady happily eating one of the pieces of fruit. You seem to be enjoying the orange, he remarked. Yes, sir, she replied. My father is very good to me. Your father? Surely your father can't still be alive. Praise God, she replied. He's very much alive. What do you mean, pressed the agnostic? She explained. I'll tell you, sir. I have been seasick for days. I was asking God somehow to send me an orange. I suppose I fell asleep while I was praying. When I awoke, I found that he had sent me not one orange, but two. The agnostic was speechless. Later, he was converted to Christ. Yes, praying in God's will brings an answer. God answers prayer. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. But he always answers prayer. Godly mothers, fourth point. Godly mothers teach the truth. For this, I have Eunice. And in conjunction with that, Lois, the grandmother and mother of Timothy. Paul said this, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, that dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that is in thee also. Timothy was a great man of God in the early church. He was used mightily. And Paul wrote to him and asked him to not look but people looked down on his youth and to stir up the gift that was in him. And it started with his mother and his grandmother. You know, sometimes I think this culture tells women, if you're not on the front lines, if you're not climbing the corporate ladder, you don't have influence. Forgetting all along that the greatest influence a woman can possibly have is by raising children who love and honor and serve the living God. Abraham Lincoln once said, All that I am I owe to my angel mother. President McKinley, I believe it was McKinley, said that it was because of his mother's prayers that he came to trust the crucified one. Because even in the bad parts of his life, he would come home and he would see her praying for his salvation. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan had four sons and they were all preachers. Someone once came into the drawing room when all the family was there. They thought they would see what Howard, one of the sons, was made of, so they asked this question. 
Howard, who is the greatest preacher in your family? Howard had a great admiration for his father, and he looked across at him, and then, without a moment's hesitation, he answered, Mother. Mothers, you can be some of the greatest preachers your children ever see. I mentioned a while back a story about a group of pastors who were arguing over what the best translation was, and I'll bring it up again here because I think it was so good. One talked about the King James, and then the NIV, and they went back and forth, and the third man said, I prefer my mom's translation because she lived it. You see, if you're just going to read this book, if you're just going to read it and not live it, it's just words on a page. If you choose to live it, it's life-changing. Fifth point, godly mothers are people of influence. Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Well, we'll read another portion of Ruth in a few minutes, or in a moment. If somebody could look up Ruth 2, 11, and 12, and be ready to read it. But I just want to say a few words here. At first glance, Naomi doesn't seem to be much of an example of a godly mother. Because what does she say? She says in a later passage, I went out full and God brought me back empty. Call me not Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Yet in the midst of this imperfection that she showed, she also must have showed an unwavering faith in the God who she said dealt bitterly with her. Because why? Because rather than going back to the gods of Moab, Ruth said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Why? Because Naomi had proven, even in her fail and even in her imperfect state, that God, the God of Israel, was the living God. And worth following. Can somebody read Ruth 2, 11 and 12? And Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And now thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy <coughs> nativity, and art come unto the people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. 
And so, this blessing for Ruth went beyond just following her mother. God knew what He was doing. He brought Ruth to Israel to meet and marry Boaz to be a part of the line of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of Naomi's faith in the one true God. Six point, godly mothers love their children. This one, I didn't have a specific biblical example, but I had this passage in Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, 3 to 5. The aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wines, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste keepers at home, good obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Do you ever think about it in that context? That your calling to love your children and to love your husband is not just so that you can be happy, although hopefully that is one of the results. It's so that the word of God would not be blasphemed. I think that in some ways today, the Word of God is being blasphemed an awful lot because when they look at the families in the church and they look at the families within the world, they're not seeing much of a difference. It's time for that to change. It's time for us to rise up and call mothers blessed and elevate it to the point where it needs to be. This final poem about motherhood says this, Motherhood is more than a stage. It is a lifelong calling from God. With it, He gives us hearts that love deeply, hands that serve tirelessly, and vision to see His blossoming image in the precious ones entrusted to our care. I also, as I close, want to encourage you on your own time to look at the example that Solomon gives us. I believe it's 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. Bathsheba went to Solomon to ask a request of him, and he set up a throne at his right hand for his mother and he sat her upon it. And then he said, whatever you want, I will give you. I will not say you may. And what a humbling, what a humbling example of honor for motherhood, that is. As I close, I just want you to think about 
these points. Godly mothers fear the Lord. Godly mothers are obedient. Godly mothers are women of prayer. Godly mothers teach the truth. Godly mothers are people of influence. Godly mothers love their children. If you ever have any doubts about what God wants for you as a mother, think about these examples in Scripture. And trust that God will be with you as you seek to raise your children to love and honor Him. It's so important. I pray that God's richest blessings will be upon you this Mother's Day. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for the opportunity to open Your Word together. We thank You for allowing us to just have a taste of what You can do through women, specifically, who are sold out to You. Lord, we thank you for those in our midst that are such women. Pray that we would not take them for granted. We pray for the mothers that do not know you, Lord, that they would still come to the knowledge and saving faith of you. And that you would restore relationships where they need to be restored. And that you would restore the years the locusts have eaten. We pray that we would uh, not... Just bless mothers who bless us, but that we would bless all mothers, for we are to bless those who spitefully use us. And I pray that your will would be done and your glory would be made manifest on this day and all days to follow. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.